This episode is sponsored by Linode. Linode is offering listeners of this podcast a $20 credit, which is good for four free months at their lowest plan. Their plans start at one gigabyte of RAM for $5 a month. You can get your servers in any of their 10 data centers, and their high memory plans start at 16 gigabytes. Get a server running in under a minute. They do hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups, node balancers, long view, etc. VMs for full control, running Docker containers, encrypted disks, VPNs, etc. You can run a private Git server. They provide native SSD storage, 200 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They have 24-7 friendly support, even on holidays, and a seven-day money-back guaranteed. So go check them out at linode.com slash javascriptjabber. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of My JavaScript Story. This week, we're talking to Ben Ko from NPM. Ben, do you want to say hi? Hey, how's it going? I'm excited to be on the show. I had a lot of fun being on uh, JavaScript Jabber last time, so excited to do this. Yeah, you were on a while ago. I'm trying to remember how far back it was, actually. But yeah, JavaScript Jabber, we talked about NPM. Let me look that up real quick. But yeah, looks like it was September 2014. <laughs> so, yeah, that was. Wow, it doesn't feel that long. I guess it's been busy. <laughs> been yeah, busy time yeah, flies. Yeah. Yeah, but we had you and Forrest and uh, Rebecca and Isaac on talking about NPM. And I think, if I remember right, that was about the time when NPM Inc. was formed and NPM kind of changed uh, the way that it was structured and stuff like that. So, Yeah, I was, uh, I w- I was the, I think, the third employee at the time. And, you know, yeah, we the company had just formed and we were just starting to to get our kind of our first product built and it was a really fun time um so i forget i, th- I think we probably talked to you about some of our early products i imagine mm-hmm. which were probably in their very early stages then yeah and since then i mean we've had isaac back we've had rebecca back um you know talked to a few other people involved in node uh, we've had michael rogers on a few times so it's it's just it's fun and exciting to get people in and just see what's going on, what, you know, what's new in the community. And then also just to get to know people who are working on this stuff. I think, I think in a lot of cases, especially with tools like NPM, it, it sort of becomes this tool that we use and we don't really think about the people behind it. And so that's part of the reason why I've been doing a show like this is just that I want to show, Hey, look, uh, there are real people behind it. Here's who they are. And look, they're not that different from you. You got into programming the same way they did. So Cool. I mean, I'm definitely excited to tell that story because I think it's kind of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's just dive in then. Um, how did you get into programming? So I was always I, I was always uh, really excited by computers, even from a pretty young age. But my my stepfather was a uh, fixed hardware at the University of Waterloo, and he would bring me home like the decommissioned old hardware from Waterloo. So I'd get these like you know in the early '90s, I'd get. I'd get, you know, an XT computer that was not long, no longer being used by any professors at Waterloo and I'd get to noodle around on it. So that was how I got into, you know, learning how to use computers and hardware and the operating systems. But I didn't quite, you know, I, I knew I wanted to learn how to program, but I didn't quite know how to get started. Um, then I, th- I think what was really a turning point for me was uh, finding GeoCities one summer. I think it was in grade seven or eight. And I found this GeoCities like, oh, I can have a website on the internet just by by making this this website on this GeoCities service. 
And I remember seeing like there was at the time there wasn't anything like NPM. There was but people would share these little snippets of JavaScript mm-hmm. all over their 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 personal site. So you'd find like and JavaScript wasn't a serious business thing back then. It was more like you'd have like this little message board for your website and you would put googly eyes on it that follow your mouse around or something. But yep. then people would, people would sh- <laughs> people would share those snippets of code. And then you could learn, you know, you could learn, oh, if I change this parameter, the eyes look slightly different. Or if I change that parameter, this will happen. So I didn't really think of it as programming, but I was definitely starting to, I basically put as many random things like that on my horrible early website as I could. Um, And then eventually, I I didn't really have internet access that often when I was that age, I was, you know, 11 or 12. And um, was in a really small town and, and and didn't really know anyone else who programmed. So what I used to do would be go down to the Radio Shack, which was downtown, and I'd just raid the uh, bargain uh, textbook bin that they had at the Radio Shack. And I, I bought these these books that started actually starting to teach me programming, which is I think was when I started to learn it a little bit better. So I had the JavaScript for Dummies. I got the this really old one, and I got a book on a really early version of HTML, and I, I got an early C textbook too. Um, so that's when I really started to fall in love with programming was when I got a few of those textbooks and would just right. read them, read them by myself on long Canadian winters. <laughs> uh, I think living in a cold country is a good way to learn programming because you spend way too much time in your bedroom. When, <laughs> oh, there you uh, go. Yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely how I got started. I had a, my stepfather was a really good mentor for, for learning about the hardware and getting off the ground with that stuff. That makes sense. Yeah. I remember... Uh, GeoCities was kind of where I got started too. Um, I must be a little bit older than you because I was in high school when I got into you know doing that kind of stuff. But yeah, a lot of the same things: uh, copying and pasting plenty of JavaScript in there, and figuring out how to structure web pages and stuff like that. Back when you laid everything out with tables. Yeah, it's it's funny because JavaScript wasn't very well respected back then. No. It was like people would usually have it turned off in the browser, so it's not something you'd use to make a. Not something you'd use to, to actually make a serious website, right? It was, it was kind of more of a hobbyist thing. Yep. And more and more websites are now becoming almost completely built and rendered by JavaScript. So it's it's definitely a different world now. Um, how did you how did you wind up getting into JavaScript then? You know, because yeah, I remember back then, and even when I got into development professionally, um, you know, I started out doing Ruby on Rails and JavaScript was kind of just a necessary evil where you'd use jQuery to get the bare minimum done you needed in the browser. So, yeah, it was, it's definitely like I, I you know, I, I did it early on for with my GeoCities kind of websites I did. And, and then I kind of put it down and w- went to college and learned Java and C and, and you know, all, all, all those those languages that you think of as real programming languages. Mm-hmm. Um, then when I got my first job outside of college, I was fortunate and ended up at this company in Toronto called FreshBooks, which uh, was this invoicing application. And they had a really uh, interactive invoice experience where, that used a lot of JavaScript. So I'd, when I started at FreshBooks, uh, I had a couple of really great mentors who, who started teaching me kind of what was being done in JavaScript at that time. And I started learning on this, uh, mainly the invoice experience when you'd add new features to the invoice. Um, so I had a couple of really good mentors at FreshBooks and I, I started to take the language more seriously then. And, you know, I went to jQuery conference back, back when that was kind of the conference you'd go to in JavaScript and, and mm-hmm. found that really exciting. There's just a ton of amazing stuff happening at the time. That's um, really cool. And, uh, you know, FreshBooks is something I've both used and, uh, they've sponsored the show in the past. Um, 
you know, I, I you you may hear ads for fresh books on some of the shows, yeah. um, but that's an affiliate relationship at this point. Um, yeah. But yeah, interesting stuff. And, you know, a lot of these companies started to do it. I remember early on in uh, my career, in fact, my first job, um, one of my coworkers was doing a lot in sort of animating and uh, building out interactive features with jQuery and nobody was really doing it, you know, back 2004, 2005. And, uh, yeah, a lot of that has changed now. Um, but yeah, yeah fresh. Yeah. It was interesting. It was like, it was still like FreshBooks was at the point where, you know, there was, there was a few little frameworks, like I think Dojo was a thing and, mm-hmm. and so there were a few things, but for the most part it was pretty bespoke, but I mean, it used some of the conventions that have now become, you know, part of a framework like Angular or React, but it was very bespoke. Um, but you've kind of seen that happen over the past eight years, nine years, which has been cool to watch it become what it has become. Yeah. It's been really interesting to see where things have gone. And then now you have the whole debate of how much of it do you do in JavaScript? You know, how much of it do you need to build into a framework like Angular, React, or Vue versus, oh, well, I'm just going to keep using jQuery and have the page reload all or part of it. And that's okay with me. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny. I'm in this in this weird world of JavaScript where I actually haven't. I was basically hired as a backend infrastructure JavaScript person at npm, so I'm starting to learn some of the new stuff like React and whatnot. But I've actually been not involved enough to have that much of an opinion. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, which hoping to. I mean, I, I miss it, so I'm hoping to get hoping to learn React's what I'm kind of excited to learn right now, which I've right. been uh, starting to pick up more. Yeah, we're uh, working on launching a React podcast here, so I'll just go ahead and plug that. Uh, there should oh, cool. be a link to the Indiegogo campaign as this is released. Um, so, yeah, go support the podcast if you're interested in that. Um, I'm curious, how did you wind up uh, working for NPM then? Yeah, so, so I'd been... Uh, it, it kind of grows out of FreshBooks again. I was sent to that first jQuery conference with a coworker, Mark Story, who's actually you know been the lead developer of CakePHP for years mm-hmm. and years and years. Um, and, and him and I were sent to that jQuery conference, and I was like, man, there's so much really exciting stuff happening in JavaScript. Like at that conference, there was people making isometric games and just these great kind of emergent UI frameworks and stuff. And after the conference, I remember I was just chatting with Mark and he was like, I was like, man, wouldn't it be cool if you could do some of this stuff on the back end? Like, I wish that I didn't have to write PHP on a day to day basis. And I wish I could take these JavaScript skills and do back end stuff. And Mark was uh, Mark said, oh, you know, there's this new little thing called Node.js that that just came out. That's like I think at the time it was like 0.04 release or something. Um and so I immediately kind of installed it out of curiosity. And, and then weekends when I was just uh, weekends when I was programming, I, I started programming Node as my kind of weekend open source hacking uh, toy. And then, you know, was at FreshBooks for a couple more years, moved to the Bay Area, did my own company, but uh, was always doing Node on the side. And then when I saw that NPM had formed a company, I was like, man, there's this, there's actually a, I could actually go work at a company that's, you know, doing this stuff full time and lets me take my ops skills because they were hiring a operations person, which is how I started at NPM. So give me oh, this nice. opportunity. To, it took, gave me the opportunity to, to take the ops skills I'd learned, you know, doing my own company, like Linux administrative stuff. And, but also take the node stuff I'd been doing for fun in my spare time and, and combine them into a, a job. And 
So it was kind of a dream job for me. And I was lucky enough that I got through the interview process. It was, that was the, like the first couple of weeks of the company. So they were literally kind of on fire because it was mm-hmm. like around the time that that NPM had gone down for a week and just, there was a lot of ops issues. And I think they were just, it, I was very fortunate. I applied at a good time because they really wanted someone who had ops experience to help our now CTO CJ solve some of the ops problems. And so I got in the door and then more and more I've got into do, you know, I gradually had more of a DevOps role where I was doing more development and less ops over, over time. Um, but yeah, that's how I ended up applying. Nice. Yeah. I remember there was some angst. I mean, um, you know, we went through the whole thing with IOJS and then that eventually merged back to node. And then there was concern over, um, you know, hosting of NPM. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the company that was hosting the registry. Um, no jitsu, I I believe. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, people were like, okay, well, you know, we appreciate what they're doing, but you know, it also sounded like they, you know, it was costing them more and more to host it. And there were all these issues. And you, you can go back and listen to the episode if you're really curious about all of the things that went into this. But yeah, it was really interesting then to see it. Okay, we're, we're going to come out as a company and we're going to provide some uh, for-profit um, options for people. And I don't know. I mean, a lot of people kind of get leery when there's, you know, when there's money involved with open source. Um, but it was also interesting just to see it from the standpoint of, well, a lot of times you get these corporate sponsors of open source projects and then that winds up sort of dominating the cycle on that. So it was a, it was an interesting experiment just to watch from the outside and say, okay, how are they going to make this work? And you know, what, what are the long-term effects of that? Yeah. I think it's, it's kind of interesting to hear Isaac's been talking to us recently about his thinking on this as the company grows. And I mean, one of the things was that NPM's if you look at the graphs of just JavaScript usage over the past few years, like it's all been exponential. Mm-hmm. So, so like if you're in a foundation or if you're relying on a corp- single corporate sponsor or what have you, it kind of means every year you have to go to them and say, well, you know, you gave us $250,000 last year to run the registry, but we actually need $750,000 this year because it's now eight times bigger than it was right. in a one year period. Right. And so it's definitely, it's, it's certainly an experiment. It's, it's, you know, there haven't been that many companies founded around, uh, the way NPM was founded around this open source product. But I, th- I think it's, I can see where, I think Isaac came to a good decision mm-hmm. to do that because we'd be in a position where we'd have to, have to ask for a lot of money at this point just to keep the registry running. Um, yep. So uh, what, what was it like being there early days? I mean, you know, you were, you were there, things are kind of coming together. The node registry went down and they were like, panic, let's get somebody in here to help. So you get in there. I mean, what was it like? You know, I kind of, I came in a week or two, I came in a week or two after uh, CJ, our, our now CTO, had been hired and she was, already had us really on a great track to just getting stuff stable. Like it was kind of like, there was a lot of, I came in, I was definitely, like I put, I stood up our Nagios ser- uh, server, which has been up for years now to actually start monitoring stuff more closely, but we already knew we wanted better monitoring and we knew we wanted to automate more stuff. And, um, it was actually for us early stage startup. You know, there were five of us at the time. Uh, it was pretty low stress, uh, a lot of fun. <laughs> it was a lot, right. a lot of fun trying to get stuff stable because it was kind of for a lot of us. You know, it was our second or third time doing this, and we kind of like, okay, let's. We kind of had a game plan of how we wanted to automate stuff, a game plan of how we wanted to monitor stuff. Um, definitely, the first six months, uh, 
you know, you, it was like, like, uh, I'd have my pager going off at two in the morning quite a bit, you know, you'd wake up and be like, crap, some part of NPM's failing and I have to poke at a server at one in the morning or something. <laughs> That's always um, fun. Yeah. But, but because it was our, you know, CJ is very experienced and I'd, I'd been through this myself with my own company, just coming out of that experience. Like we, we were at least had a, a process around NPM ops that was, uh, you know, if we have a problem that wakes us up at two in the morning, let's never have that happen again. And we, and we so, so it actually within, within not too many months of work, it, it became mostly just a lot of fun because we were just at the center of the JavaScript community as, as you say, as kind of the whole IOJS thing happened and as the, as the JavaScript just exploded over the past few years. Right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of fun, uh, kind of flew by. So uh, over the last, what, three years now? Um, you know, what, what contributions have you made to NPM and to the JavaScript community in general that you're excited about or want to talk about? Yeah, sure. I mean, in terms of for my, in my spare time, um, I've, I've been writing, writing this library called Yargs for years now. Um, I actually inherited it from someone else, but I've been running development on it, uh, which is a command line argument parser. So that's an open source library I'm really proud of. And, I also write this open source library with Isaac called NYC, which is for test coverage. And I've been working on that for a few years. And, uh, and gradually in, in the process of doing that, I've been doing a lot of the work on Istanbul, which is a test coverage library as well. Uh-huh. So I, I've d- done a lot of work in the, I'd say in, if, in, in my kind of op- wearing my open source contributor hat, I've done a lot of work around developer tooling and testing. And I've been proud of some of the libraries that have come out of that. Um, in terms of what I've contributed to the JavaScript community and my work at NPM, I, I'm definitely really proud of how working along with CJ, we, we managed to stabilize the registry to the point where it, like early on when I was starting at NPM, there was just this ongoing joke about the registry being down because, because we'd just come out of the, uh-huh. you know, we'd come out of this period where the registry was down a lot. And, uh, I'd, I'd say over the past three, four years, it's just be, gotten to the point where the registry people kind of ignore the, the like, you know, the, the, there is still politics. There's always open source politics around something happening, but there's no longer this ongoing joke about NPM being down. It's just seen as this, this commodity that is available to people. And now we're on to these second order problems where, you know, it's how should, it, how should, how, you know, we now have 20,000 dependencies in our library. How can we, how can we shrink the number of dependencies or how can we, you know, it's a different set of problems. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm proud we managed. I'm proud that we, as a company, and and my, me and my peers managed to get it to that second order of problems. Well, that's that's awesome, and yeah. you know, it it reminds me a little bit of uh, the fail well with uh, Twitter, where that was a very common thing for a while, and then yeah, you got used to you you got used to it being down, and then all of a sudden it stabilized, and you know, and and you worked all that out, and it's such an integral part of things that. You know, when it doesn't work, it it really hurts. And when it does work, I think a lot of times people just kind of don't really notice because it's doing what we expect it to do. Yeah. No, definitely. And we're, we're trying to like that's kind of an ongoing theme for us. NPM M- NPM is a company. We sell products. Uh, like we, we definitely are. We're, um, some people do think of us, I think, as like the oh, you just turn on the socket and you get NPM. And we're mm-hmm. trying to we're trying to balance the like we we want the, the the number one priority for the company is that the registry exists forever and is always online, um, and, and then the number two priority is is we want to find a way to be profitable so that uh, that ca- that can always continue to be the case. So 
Um, that's a fun, I've recently become a, my role at NPM now is actually product manager recently. Um, so, so I've been helping develop some of our next generation products that are going to help make that goal come true. Um, so it's fun balance, but, but like you say, it's like people don't even, people don't necessarily even think of what's happening when they type NPM install. And we're trying to continue to let you be able to ignore NPM install while offering you, uh, great additions to the npm experience so that you you know you you do think of us you do think of us sometimes because we're making your work your work life even better um so yeah yeah makes sense so what are you working on now you mentioned you're doing pro- uh, project management but uh yeah is is, is that all of it is, in particular areas of npm are there other things you're working on yeah, I'd love to. I've, I'd be love to talk about some of the stuff I'm working on at NPM, but also happy to talk about some of the stuff I've been talk, working on myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, start with my own stuff. Uh, so, so I don't know. Have you heard of Istanbul before yourself? Have you? I have. I don't remember details, but yeah. I've I've heard the I've heard it mentioned. Basically, what it does is that if you're writing unit tests for your library, you can use Istanbul to instrument your your tests such that when you run your test suite you know which lines of your library have been interacted with uh-huh so you know as someone rating tests and kind of kind of build an application you know whether there's bits of your bits of your code you should be pretty uh, weary of because they aren't being exercised by your test suite so you should probably write some tests for them basically so it t- tells you parts of your system you haven't tested too well and and, and uh helps you in turn move towards kind of 100% test coverage where you would be able to be pretty pretty confident you're at least exercising your whole code base, um, which is great for open source because, you know, if someone's submitting a patch, um, you, you can tell that person in the code review process, like, it looks like this drops us below 100% coverage. Do you mind adding a couple tests for this new feature? So it's, it's just really great in the open source world, also really good in uh, when you're writing software inside a company to make sure that you're not leaving too much cruft around your applications. Um, so what I've been doing recently that I'm really excited about is uh, Jacob, Jacob Gruber, who uh, works on the Chromium project, uh-huh. uh, actually did this really cool thing where he figured out how to add test co- coverage into the V8 JavaScript engine itself rather than... Uh, rather, so it actually happens at the bytecode level in, in the V8 engine and can actually tell you which lines of your JavaScript code have executed. So I've been working with him a little bit to basically make this library called C8, which would allow you to run your JavaScript application, see if it has good test coverage, but it's not actually doing anything in, in it's not doing anything to your code to change, change it to count test coverage. Uh-huh. It's actually just turning on this feature in the V8 engine, which I think is really neat. So it, um, I think it will be the way people do test coverage in the future for the for the folks who care about that sort of thing. Nice. So um, so is Istanbul going to go away then, or I think we'll probably. I mean, Istanbul has be kind of like a lot of big open source projects has become a, a suite of pro, of open source things. Basically, uh-huh. you know, there's the instrumenter bit, there's the thing that actually runs it. So I'm kind of picturing we'll probably use the. Istanbul organization, but probably release this thing as uh, release something that uses uh, V8 directly, which right. I think will make my life much easier because as, as we know, over the past few years with JavaScript, the language has changed a lot. There's, uh, you know, way more, a lot more of new language constructs and like month by month, TC39 introduces all these new features to it. Uh-huh. 
So instrumenting at the actual uh, JavaScript engine layer rather than trying to do it post hoc is a lot easier. So I, I kind of I'm excited for for that. Um, I'm excited. I'm at npm right now. What I'm really excited about is uh, the first product I actually built at npm was npm Enterprise, which is basically if you're a if you're a big company, you can run your own copy of npm inside of your infrastructure. Right. So. You know, if you care a lot about Providence and you don't want to use the public registry for your private stuff, you can run this NPM Enterprise appliance. Um, we're actually working on kind of the next generation of NPM Enterprise right now, which is going to it's going it to be very similar, but it's going to remove some of the burden of administration from, from you don't want have to. Hopefully you won't have to have an internal ops team to run it anymore. And it's also going to move the NPM Enterprise product. So it's much closer, actually, to the, the npmjs.com experience. We have the exact same feature set just running for your corporation. Um, whereas there is a little bit of deviation between the two products right now as they stand. So awesome. I'm really excited about that. Yeah, we should get you on JavaScript Jabber to talk about some of your test coverage work. I think that would be really fun. Yeah, no, I'd love to. Like, I've, It's something I've just been... I don't know. I, I, I used to think it was very pedantic and boring. And then I realized just how much it made me write much better software. It makes me refactor yeah. software better. So it's something I care about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, what, what do you have coming down the pike next? I mean, you, you know, you're talking about, uh, you know, you work on these testing tools. You're talking about uh, things with NPM. Do you want to give us some sneak preview as to what should be coming in NPM or should should I bug Isaac about that? I think I should probably, you should probably bug Isaac a little bit about that because I'm trying to, I don't want to, um, we have some deadlines we want to hit for releasing some of this stuff and I just want to make sure I don't talk about anything prematurely. Right. No, that makes sense. I think we had, uh, some folks on from NPM back in June. Um, you know, we talked to, uh, Rebecca Turner and, uh, you know, just dug into what was new in the CLI and stuff, but it'd be interesting to see, yeah, some of these other changes in the registry and stuff like that. So. We have a yeah. There's a lot of it. There's a lot of legitimately exciting stuff happening right now. Um, there's a. It's about to go to public alpha beta. So we are, we are. I can say we're. I think I can say we're actually working on a React version of our website, which I think both is uh, going to be a much nicer, kind of more modern looking version of the website. And at the same time, is I think aligning us closer with what the community is currently doing right. with JavaScript. So, you know, from a product point of view, it's going to let us better dog food what the community is currently doing so that we can then make NPM better at doing it. Mm-hmm. So, so that's going to be really exciting. And, and I think we have that um, in alpha now. So if you if anyone wants to reach out to Isaac or just the NPM bot on Twitter, like we can definitely get more people into the alpha version of that. Um, yeah, that sounds great. Um, one other thing that I'm kind of curious about, you know, as you work on a lot of these different tools and, uh, you know, you're doing some project management now on, um, NPM, how much of a read do you folks get over there on where the JavaScript community is going? Um, I, I think, you know, you have a bunch of historical data. Does that inform where you think things are going to wind up? No, it's really interesting. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to... I mean, we definitely, as a company, I think, want to try to be somewhat agnostic of, of some things. Like, we don't want to say, like, oh, you, sh- you right. have to use this framework because this is going to be the future. Because we've seen a few times in the company's history, like, you know, when, when the company started, just people were predominantly, for front-end coding, using Backbone as was the main thing that had come on to 
I believe Backbone was the main thing that was on the registry at the time as, as front-end frameworks go, and mm-hmm. jQuery hadn't yet made the move onto the registry. I don't, I don't know. If React was a thing then, it wasn't a huge thing yet. And then as we saw, you know, over the past four years, we've seen various frameworks make the move onto the NPM registry and then various ebbs and flows in which are the most popular. Um, Lori, uh, our COO, has a, did a great analysis of the, uh, the different communities currently on NPM. I'm, I'm not going to kind of badly paraphrase his talk, but he, he's done some research on it. Um, we are trying to, you know, so you can see the trends in the registry. Um, at the same, and we're and we're not, you know, there's certain things we don't want to pick a horse in the race on. I I think, right. But at the same time, we are trying to, we do want to lead the future of JavaScript. So we do have, you know, we have someone on TC39 an hour who's at least uh, sitting in on the TC39 meetings to try to keep keep stride with where the language is going. Um, we are starting to make some more contributions to to the Node platform itself. Um, we definitely do have a horse in the race where ESM modules are concerned because, because that's going to be as, as people start to, as people start to change how they write modules, that's really important to, to the NPM ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So it's, that's something we care a lot about. Um, so I, I think, um, expect us to have opinions on that. Right. Like, yeah. We did an interview with John David Dalton about that. The ESM yeah. module loader. And so, yeah, we're at this really exciting uh, transition point, right? Where the, the interesting thing is you have these 600,000, you have this corpus of 600,000 modules that are already on NPM. And, and then you have also, but we're at this turning point as a community where we want to bring the browser and the and the existing CommonJS ecosystem closer together. So it's going to be interesting six months or a year while that happens. Yep. Sounds good. Well, I won't pepper you with too many more questions about NPM. In fact, Let's go ahead and do some picks. Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android. And all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now, and it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com devchat and enter DevChat in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter DevChat in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Uh, do you have some things that you want to shout out about? Yeah, sure. Um, so this February, um, I'm going to this kind of hackathon conference thing in Illinois again called hackillinois.org. Uh-huh. Or Hack Illinois. And I think it's really cool because what they did last year is they brought in some open source maintainers from fairly popular projects. And then, so it's not just a hackathon where you make some company over a two-day period or something. Um, it's actually the students at the, at the University of Champaign-Urbana uh, are actually paired off with well-known d- developers from the open source community. Like last year, I was there with uh, Blaine from Gulp and uh, the, the fellow who writes uh, a lot of Express, uh, mm-hmm. Jungleberry is his NPM name. 
And so, so we were actually pairing off with students and helping them land their first issues on open source projects. And it was just a lot of fun. Um, and I think that's really cool to, to teach university students kind of open source, which is something I didn't learn until much later in life. Um, trying to think of what else do I want to call out? I definitely want to call out that C8 tool I've been working on. But more specifically, I want to call out the the work that uh, the Chromium people have been doing on test coverage because I think it's really neat. Um, I know he has a blog post coming out on that soon. Um, I don't have too many other picks that come to mind right now. Awesome. Um, well, those are cool. We'll uh, we'll definitely put links to those in the show notes and uh, you know help people go check those out. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to pick because I've I've already done a couple of these interviews today and I'm I'm running low on on what to pick. I mean, one thing that I, I picked up recently again is uh, just recording videos, and so I've been using ScreenFlow, and I'm just going to uh, shout out about that. I've been really uh, liking that, and then. Um, so one other thing that I'm going to pick, and this is something that my wife got into, and she bought a whole bunch of crap on it. And anyway, then I got on it, and I bought a whole bunch of crap on it. It's Wish.com, and I don't know exactly what the story is there, but um, I, I think it's just it gets manufactured for cheap in China, and then they ship it over, you know, on the slow boat. So it takes a while to get stuff, but you get stuff real cheap there. So I've gotten like uh, camera lenses for my. Uh, for my phone, I've gotten, um, uh, you know, a handful of other things. I got a, like a GoPro type camera for like 20 bucks. So anyway, it's just been interesting to kind of see how all of that uh, fits together. And, uh, you know, you can get stuff that you can actually use. Um, I've been pretty happy with m the quality of most of that stuff. Um, she also got my birthday present on there. And that was uh, an old Nintendo emulator. She got it for like 10 bucks. And it has pretty realistic uh, Nintendo controllers and stuff. So anyway, um, all in all, I've been pretty happy with uh, the stuff that I've gotten off of there. And like I said, it's, it's like super cheap. So um, yeah, those are my picks. Uh, ben, if people want to see what you're working on these days or follow you on Twitter or GitHub or anything like that, where do they go? Yeah, the good place to find me is uh, github.com slash bcoe, just bco. Um, and then on Twitter, my, what's my Twitter? My Twitter is just Benjamin Co. all one, all one word. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty active on both places. So come say hi. And, uh, on the open source end of things, like I'm always looking for more contributors. So if you're interested in, if you've used Yargs before, if you've used Istanbul before, I'd love to have patches. So bug me on Twitter or GitHub. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you for coming and talking to us. Uh, we'll go ahead and wrap this up and we will catch everyone in a week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.